You're listening to Winged Wisdom. Thank you to the following sponsors. Siren Shotguns, the world's finest line of shotguns and accessories created for the lady competitor, huntress, and shotgun enthusiast. Animal Connections, keep their tails wagging with healthy pet food. Voted coolest pet store in America and located at 933 Second Street Southeast in Charlottesville, Virginia. Woods and Waters Magazine, a monthly magazine that covers fishing, hunting, boating, outdoor gear, kayaking, shooting, bird dogs, and so much more. Central Virginia Sporting Clays, located in Palmyra, Virginia, and offering a 14-station walk-around wobble and five-stand. Old Forge Sporting Clays, located in Providence Forge, Virginia, and offering 16-station walk-around wobble and five-stand. Both clay courses are open year-round and available for your next fundraiser or great event. Hi everyone, my name is Kate Onstrom and I'm your host of Winged Wisdom, a podcast that highlights exciting and engaging interviews for anyone and everyone that loves sporting clays and wing shooting. In today's episode, I am very excited to bring Joe School to the platform. Joe has purchased Cedar Creek Sporting Clays back in 1994 and for 27 years has been a dominating force in the industry. He's sought after target setter at national and international shooting events. He's an NSCA certified instructor and a fellow Paragon Shooting School certified instructor. Joe likes to focus on the shooters from the beginner all the way to this very serious advanced shooter. He uses his knowledge of target tactics to enhance the student's ability to read the line of the bird. He says, the emphasis is on doing your work. The result is on breaking the targets. If you enjoy what you hear, please share and make sure to follow us on social media under Virginia Shooting Sports. This week's two-minute tip is more like a two-minute rundown. With September well underway, we have a slew of fantastic events and options and opportunities for you to get out and shoot and enjoy. Kicking it off is Sunday, September the 18th with the VSS five-year anniversary party. We are giving away hunts, lessons, shoot and sips, swag, barbecue dinner, open bar, entertainment. It is a party not to be missed. Join us Sunday, the 18th at Orpax Hunting Preserve, but you gotta register, it's all free but got to have the head count. Make sure you go to virginiashootingsports.com, click upcoming events, and get registered. The next day, Monday the 19th, we have the Pool for Pal Sporting Clays fundraiser at Old Forge Sporting Clays. That is from 9 to 2 and benefits the Police Athletic League. Our te- all the teams are currently full. However, we can always use volunteers, so feel free to reach out if you can help out. Then we have on October 7th, our group lesson session from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Central Virginia Sporting Clays in Palmyra. The first one was a huge success. 
And the second one, we already have people poised to book it up. So only five shooters make the cut. And that's so we can give you highly specialized, customized attention and instruction, but in a group setting. So it's a little more cost effective, only $75 per person. Includes your clays, ear protection, gun hire if you need it, and bottled waters. Shells available for purchase on site. The next day is our shoot and sip. That's going to be held at Little George Rod and Gun in Buckingham and includes fishing, conventional, and fly rod, shooting with yours truly on the platform, and farm tours. And the British decommissioned Land Rovers across almost a thousand acres of fabulous rolling hills and James River River frontage. That's $175 per person and must be 21 to imbibe. And did I mention Rich Wine RVA is going to be there to help pour the end of the day away with a fabulous wine tasting. Finally, wrapping it up at Preserve at Dundee. That's going to be on Sunday, November the 6th. And that's for the Siren Caesar Garini Fab Arm Demo Day. Have you been eyeing a gun you've been wanting to try before you buy? Please let us know. That way we can make sure we pull it in for you if it's available. And this is going to be the bougiest demo day yet. All these events can be found at virginiashootingsports.com. Click on upcoming events and get registered. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Winged Wisdom. Um, sadly, I'm here recording all alone. I don't even have the puppies inside with me. I've I've banished them to their picket pens outside because they're so obnoxious when I'm trying to record. And Riley, who is normally here with me, has decided that college education is super important. So she is sitting in some class somewhere on campus at James Madison University. So Riley, if you're listening, we love you. We miss you. I know that poor Kai wishes you were here, but in the meantime, I am so excited for this particular podcast because I have a fellow Paragon instructor and probably one of the most well-known target setters in the country, Joe School. Joe, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now you are actually, um, we caught you in your truck headed back from where? From uh, Amelia Shotgun. Wonderful. Cedar Creek. Okay, so you you were down there getting set up for a competition for those guys? Yeah, I did a shoot down there for Dawn this weekend. Now I'm heading back to New Jersey to my club, Cedar Creek, and do one this weekend. (laughs) Have have clays will travel, huh? Yes, apparently it's a big thing. Yeah, well, um, I, I know that I've been in conversations before with just, you know, random shooters. Maybe I'm waiting for my next student or chatting with somebody while they're waiting to get in the box or something. And um, they'll mention, oh, I was out here at this particular great big shoot and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, man, those were some, those were some serious targets. This, this Joe guy set them. And I was like, I think I know that Joe guy. <laughs> so Definitely, definitely got a name for yourself as far as target setting and instruction. So now how particularly did you get into sporting clays? Why that particular clay discipline out of all of them? Well, it started, you know, I was just basically a hunter and we read 
in the magazine Field and Streams about sporting plays. Okay. And then we, we found a little local place near us that had just started doing it. So we went there and started shooting. And uh, it just became more addictive every time we went. And then my boys were at the age where they could shoot. So pretty much every weekend we went there and we shot sporting plays for probably two years. Uh-huh. And uh, then another place opened up and it was a little closer. So we started going there. That was actually Cedar Creek Sportsman's Club at the oh, time. Oh, okay. Okay. And it was a 50 bird handset course. That's all there was. So I, I shot there for quite a bit of time. Um, then I had it up for sale and I had a big landscape business. I was pretty successful with that. And I was juggling around whether to buy, try to buy it or not. And at the time, it was like, eh, I don't know. And in the meantime, these other two guys bought it as partners. And after about a year there, they couldn't get along anymore. And things started getting bad. They wanted to sell it. So I jumped in and I bit the bullet and I bought it. <laughs> Did you just have that gut punch moment where you're like, what in the hell am I getting into? No, at the time I was like, okay, my boys, they love shooting. They love sporting plays. This will be great if I can get this going good. Plus have my landscaping. Uh-huh. And this, this will be a future for them to do, to run the club, to have that business and work together. But as they grew up, they went off, they got their girlfriends, got married. They moved, moved out of state, both of them. And oh, no. I ended up, <laughs> so I ended up with, I gave my older boy my landscape business because he wanted it. Huh. But he didn't belong doing that. He was, he went to college. He's very smart, intelligent. I said, you don't need to bust your back doing that. Right. So he ended up getting rid of it. And now he works for one of the stock companies up there in New York City. So oh, he's gosh. better off. And the other one moved to Connecticut and he runs uh Raymore Flanagan one he's runs one of them stores. So oh, wow. neither one of them neither one of them really had interest after a certain amount of time there. So I ended up still loving it. So I just strictly started doing that and uh I built the place up to what it is. Yeah, so um I'm sure that the landscape well, first off, let me back up. So the boys, do they still get behind the barrel do they still shoot very very rarely if they come oh, down to yeah. see me they want to go out and shoot that's about it oh that's still nice they still still get together with dad and you know bust a few yeah, once in a while, we'll come, come down we'll shoot some targets that's nice so now having the landscape business um i can kind of see why sporting clay's course just naturally fell in your lap and in that kind of marriage between the two because God, how amazing is that? You can clear your own fields and stations. Yeah, that's that's what basically ended up happening. It was only a 50-bird course, and it had manual traps. We're going back to 1994, though. So you've owned this facility for quite a while. So that's been, what, 25 years now? Is that right? About 20, 20, 28. Yeah. Man. Like it, and I've had the privilege. So... This is kind of um, a very exciting spot in the family vacation because 
Um, you know, my husband's from the Catskills in New York. And so it took me quite a few years screaming and kicking and dragging to finally give in to the fact that when you marry somebody from up North, they don't understand that when we Southerners say we're going on vacation, it means the Outer Banks, Hatteras, Emerald Isle, Topsail. Um, there's this place called Cape May. <laughs> and I was like, what? There's no way y'all have beaches up there. There's no beaches up north. The beaches stop at Colonial Beach. Like you, you, it took me forever to figure it out. But the exciting thing was, um, you know, I'm on the way. Yeah, you're on the way. You're actually only an hour, I think, northwest as the crow flies from Cape May. Um, And and so that's usually a big highlight. Now, I will say that I was a, a little upset that we did not do it this year. Um, and that's because unfortunately the, the patriarch of the family, um, was not able to join us. One of their, their pups had a dust up with a, a neighbor's terrible dog. And, and unfortunately had some wounds that required Dave to stay behind and, and take care of the pup. So, um, we kind of forewent the shooting. Cause that was always a big part, um, for Dave to participate in. So we felt like we were cheating on Dave if we we weren't able to bring him along. So we went on a tiki tour instead, got drunk on the right. water. So, <laughs> but we'll definitely, definitely be back next year. Cause we've enjoyed it every year, the cousins and the aunts and the uncles. And there is for whoever's listening and has not been to Cedar Creek sporting clays. There are a hell of a lot more birds out there than just that little course that you started with. Tell everybody, how big have you grown that course? How many different fields do you have and the different types of courses that you've got available for shooters? Well, I have a hundred bird novice course. It's all automatic. There's two traps on each station and that's for pretty much the beginners and uh, it's pretty friendly. The big guys don't like to go over there, but they need to go over there. They just think that it's too easy, but I don't see them going over there breaking 99s or 100. Exactly. So now that's called the Woods course, right? That's the one that we usually take yeah. the family into. Yeah. That's a great yes. course. Yeah, it's it's a that's where the original course was. That's that's the piece of land. Oh, is it? Okay. Where 50 bird course was. I just added to it, made it bigger, opened up new new spots and added stations. Gotcha. Now on the other the other side, I built that whole course over there cleared all that land and put the road system in did everything that's done over there and and that the stations are a lot bigger so i was able to put two cages in each station so you can shoot a blue course or a red course another 100 in each one just by moving you on the moving you from the blue cage to the red cage the angles and distance are so much different that you're shooting totally different targets even off the same two machines. That's incredible. It's got a lot of variety for any level shooter. There's not a shooter level that that place won't compensate for. Yeah, I was going to have to say the the Woods course, your novice course, um, you know, I love shooting that because you might have it set up where you've got a pair of birds and you've got them set up as to to be a report pair, but if you're a little more adept and skilled behind the barrel, then shoot them as a true pair, you know? You can do what you want. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really nice course. And I have to say, you do a great job at some 
interesting presentations, but they're always fair. They're always what I call honest birds. Um, how did you get into trap setting as, as much as you have become known for it? I think, I think a lot of it bases back on my landscaping experience. I mean, that might sound crazy to people, but when I go to somebody's house and, and there's nothing there and they're like, well, what do you think we should do? And I could envision where to put flower beds, shrub beds, you know, what trees to put here and there just, just to make the yard symmetrical, look good. So when I go out, so I go out in the woods and I look at a, a spot, I can see some, just in my mind, I just see so many targets. Really? It just comes to me. I could be riding down the road like now, today. I'm on the road uh -huh. for a while. I might come up with new targets to set in stations, just ride, not even think. It just comes to me. That's incredible. And I, and I always tinker with traps and the way I throw targets. My original profession was I went to Botech to become an auto mechanic. So I did oh. that for several <laughs> years before landscape. So now... Okay. Now, now I have the ability to fix the machines, understand them, know how to keep them running right. I have the landscaping background, which helped me design and build my courses. And um, just my love of doing it just took over the whole thing and put it all together. Isn't it just absolutely amazing how things like you're just kind of led down a path, like everything you have done in your life previous to that course has funneled you to it and made you so successful in it. I mean, I just yeah, find it's, that it's like, it's like I was put in this funnel and yeah. I learned, learned different things along the way. And when I got to the end of the funnel, all the tools I needed to do that, build that course and run that club, I had experience in different different fields and things that made it easy for me. Now, what, um, another piece of the pie here was your certification. You're also a, a fellow, um, Paragon certified instructor like myself. What was it about Schindler's school, that particular style of instruction? What attracted you to that? Well, I done, I've done two schools with Dan. Dan okay. used to be an NSCA instructor. Yes. I took my, le I took my level one with Dan way oh, back when. Oh, did you really? That was, yeah, that was way back when. Yeah. And Dan, Dan would not pass people if they were not prepared to teach people right. Yeah. And that and didn't really sit well with the NSCA, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't sit well with them because they wanted everybody passed. But right. I've, I've seen other level one instructors come from other places that I'm out on the course and I see them out there trying to teach somebody and they, they can't even call what the person's doing wrong. Yeah. To fix them right. You know, and, and Dan wouldn't accept that. Dan was very, very, he loves the sport so much and he loves to see success and he wants everything done right. Yeah. And to, to that came to it. Whatever happened between him and NSCA is there. I have no idea, and that's none of my business. But then, as Dan went on and he built his own instructor school, I mean, Dan became good friends. We hung out a lot. 
And he, he said, he asked me if I'd like to take the course and do it. I said, sure. So I went down, took his course and learned some other things from him. Dan, Dan's very good. Dan is one of the better people to teach people from the beginning, their mechanics, everything has to be precise. And if you, even if you break the target and you didn't do it right, he's not going to pat you on the back and say, good job, you broke it. He's going to exactly. say, that, was, that wasn't done right. And that's the way I teach. Yeah, I teach, I learned that from Dan, that just because that student broke three in a row, he broke them in three different spots. He moved his gun three different times. And he's seen a different picture every time he broke the target because he never started in the same spot. Yeah. He never met the bird at the same. And Dan was very particular on that. And it's like anything else. I tell the student, there's a hundred targets, you're shooting a hundred targets on the course. There's 30 traps. Do you want to shoot a hundred different targets or do you want to shoot 30 targets? It's easier to figure out 30 targets than a hundred. That's a great way to put it. So, if, so if, you, if you go out there and you hold your gun back too far on the first one and you're out too far on the second one and then you're in the right spot for the third one and you break all three, yeah, but everything was different for every shot you made. Yeah. But if you put your gun in the right hold point, you got your focus where you need it, you got your hands, your feet, your eyes where they belong, you call for the bird, you meet the bird, leave it, shoot it go back and do exactly the same thing, it becomes a natural feeling and you're repeating the same thing. It's easier to repeat it than try to catch up and fix it because you end up behind that bird. Or, so that's basically what I teach. You know, you can break, you can learn to shoot all 30 targets or you can shoot a hundred different targets. That's up to you, you know? Yeah, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Joe, because that, that's exactly why I went to Dan when I was researching kind of who to go to. And when I talked to him on the phone, first off, I could get a person on the phone. Um, and second, it was him, the guy that, you know, owned the school. And third, yeah, but it's hard to get him off the phone. Well, you know, I, there were several times I was sitting in my driveway because I'd already driven 30, 40 minutes home and I still had him and Cheryl on the phone because you don't get oh, yeah. one without the other. And I would, I'd finally just kind of have to say, um, I, I gotta go, <laughs> but it was great because, you know, I kind of do the same thing with my students and I, they, they break a target and they turn around and they look at me so excited. And I look at them and say, now, was that you or was that luck? And they go, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that was luck, but I broke it. And I was like, yeah, but can you give me six dead birds out of this station swinging that way. And that's the big thing that I think all of us from the Paragon School have enjoyed is the fact that we ask more of our students, but our students also give more on the course. They're, and they they're, excel better too. Yeah, they absolutely excel better. And as a matter of fact, let's just jump right into it. Speaking of excelling, um, you have one student in particular that for anybody that follows the circuit, um, she is on fire. Grace Callahan. Tell us, tell us Grace's story. How did she come to start working with you and um, where has she been and where is she headed? Um, Grace started, she came to a couple of my, my shoot monthly shoots and I watched her shoot and talked to her a little bit. 
And then she said she was going to Rollins State College, which is 30 minutes from my club. Uh-huh. And she said, well, well, asked if I'd be an instructor, help her teach. I said, yeah, I'd help her. And it just came about that way. And as a little bit of time went on, I could see the potential in Grace, but I could also see the out of control shooter. Oh, She's really? very high strung. She's very high strung. She's all energy. And all she cares about is women. Okay. At that point. And now, and then when you care so much about winning, it gets in the way of performing. It does. Okay. Then you're starting to try right. just to break the bird. Yeah. Right. And and we've and we've been on the course, I don't know. It became to a point that I am her second father. <laughs> <laughs> she's with you that much, huh? Oh, and and she's like a daughter to me, I'm like a father to her. She'll come That's to awesome. me with with problems and you know, yeah, cry and whatever whatever it is. I'd be giving her lessons and she can't do exactly what I wanted. She'd start crying. She'd get upset. So we would stop and I'd say, okay, I got to go load some traps. She'd go with me. She'd load traps. And then we'd go back out and get her mind off of it again and start over. And, you know, it was a long process. I think I taught her probably seven, seven years. I taught wow. her even after college. And I think she wants to see me this week because she called me. Asked me when I'd be back because she's struggling a little bit. Uh huh. But um, most most shooters, you know, you can put a lot of time in. You can practice a lot. But when they go to a tournament, they don't they don't do the same thing they do when they practice. And then that score sheet has a big consequence to them. Now explain that, Joe. Because tell tell everybody that's listening what you mean by that. They don't. They don't compete the way they practice. What specifically is that about? Well, a lot of them will go out and practice without a score sheet, first of all. Okay. I would suggest you go shoot the course with a score sheet because okay. a lot of people go out and now you can shoot as many targets you want in the station because everybody has counter system. So if they miss it three times in a row, they're like, oh, give it to me again. Give it. So there's really no, it's, they'll just keep shooting until they hit it. They, that wasn't written down on the paper, and they go, "Oh, I missed all three of them. I'm That's done. The station, I can't, I can't shoot no more of them." So, if you go out with a score sheet and you start shooting with your buddies, and it matters, and you miss a couple targets, and you miss a couple targets, and now, now you're down four targets in three stands, and now it starts to weigh on you. Like, oh, Bill, Bill's only missed two. I'm down four already. So they start just thinking, and then they start messing up more because they're now they're trying not to miss because they're worried about their buddy beating. Right. Okay. So, but if they just go out without a score sheet, they just shoot and they miss six of them in that cage. He doesn't care. He just keeps shooting. There's no consequence. Now they go to a tournament and they're used to just doing that, and they get in that cage and somebody marks three zeros down on their score sheet. All of a sudden, it's it's a big issue. They're not used to seeing that. They're not used to knowing that they're down three targets. Now they move to the next stand, and they know they missed. And then they start they start on the score sheet, keeping that in their mind. I'm down three here. I'm down two here. I can't shoot in the ninety now. I can't. 
you know. So they they get in the way of performing. They they throw away all their training. They throw away their mental whatever mental game they do have, and and then they just start trying. Now when they start trying, oh, their gun's not on the line. They didn't yep. use the same hold point. Everything everything falls apart because they're not they're not used to being in that situation. Now, now the big guys that shoot every week, they have score sheets every week. They know how to practice without without that being an issue anymore because they've done it in the past. So, so they're they're that, making themselves take responsibility for every target they see. Right, and you should because if you're practicing for a tournament, and you should make make a consequence on that. Otherwise, it has no value. That's excellent. When you go to a tournament, your score sheet has a value when you go to a tournament. Oh my God, that's everything. That's yeah. all you carry around. You carry it around, you look at it, you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's your God of sporting plays. Yeah, <laughs> your score exactly. Sheet. And, it's, and it's the devil too, when they look at it at the end, if they did that, you know? Yeah, like, I never kind of, wanted to look at my score sheet when I was shooting. They're the kind of things that get in the way. And then a guy will say, oh, I only shoot these shells for practice. In tournaments, I shoot good shells. I shoot this shell. So now they've been shooting, let's say they're shooting a shell that's 1,150 feet per second because they got it and it was cheaper. Or it's 7 eighths ounce and it was cheaper. They shoot right. it. Now they go shoot the tournament. And now they're shooting a shell that does 1,300, 1,350. And, and everything's different. The field, the gun going off, everything is different. So things like that matter. That's, that is absolutely excellent for, for everybody listening, just to kind of keep in mind, um, and it's the old adage practice or, you know, play like you practice. So you, you really need to remember, okay, if this is what I'm going to be doing on a tournament day in order to be ready for that tournament, I need to put everything into the practice. Exactly. That's, that's, that's your foundation. I was going to say when it comes to, to grace and, and her shooting, um, what particular, you know, she, she, I'm sure it was quite interesting for someone who raised two boys to all of a sudden have a, a teenage girl in front of them. <laughs> but, um, when she was out there and she was shooting and she was having these moments, you know, I think it's awesome that you were, instead of pushing her harder, pushing her through, um, which can sometimes just cause a, a total mental collapse in a student, you were, you were kind and kind of backed off and said, all right, well, come on, let's go, you know, load some traps or, you know, just put the gun down, just walk away from the gun for a little bit and then circle back to it. Um, yeah. Did you did you notice with her shooting when she circled back to it? Was she able to shake it off? You know, were there any little tricks that you also had besides? Yeah, that? I'd start. I'd start somewhere else and get her back doing what she's supposed to. Right. Just get her away because from that particular that, target. Yeah. That particular target, and then I take her back to that, and I say, "Okay, now look at this target again. Where should your gun be? What should you do?" Get awesome. all your, everything set up again. Get your mechanics right. Set up for the bird the right way. 
now, now call for the bird. Then she'd break the target. She'd go, oh my God. I'm like, (laughs) say it was weighing so heavy, like a a pallet of bricks. And then all of a sudden it's just light as a feather. Because you're so, you're so upset that you're missing. You don't, you don't go back and do the basic things that you normally do. Yeah. And, and you get aggressive, your eyes change, you know, everything gets out of whack. But you do that, you take them away from the station, you bring them back. And then if I got a student who's had a problem with a station, that's not doing good, like a newer student or whatever, I go, okay, let's just skip this. I'll take them down, I'll have them shoot three or four stations, and they're shooting good now. I go, yeah, okay, and I pull up to that station again. I said, okay, now apply everything we did everywhere else to these two targets. And then they break, and then they start to understand that, oh, I didn't do this and I didn't do that, and you know, everything starts to connect again. Yeah, sometimes people I find they they're trying so damn hard to break that stupid clay pigeon, they can't even see past the end of the barrel and what they're doing. It's it's like it just doesn't register. No, it's, it, it, you know, it's, and a lot of times I use my phone anymore. I do a video of them to show yeah. them what they're doing wrong. Yeah. And, um, you know, that works perception really great. And reality. You got perception and reality in there. You know, reality is I'm standing behind there. I'm behind that person. I'm on the outside looking in. I see where, what that gun did. I see how she moved. I see how the barrel dipped. She got offline. She had to correct it. And that's why she missed the bird. She didn't miss the bird because she's in front of behind it. She missed the bird because she screwed up one of her steps and the process of doing it right. Right. So that that just changed that target. Now you're shooting 100 different targets again. You follow me? I I absolutely love that. Shoot 30 targets, not 100. I just never thought of it that way. That's that is um, definitely going into my little toolbox. It's easier to learn 30 targets than to shoot 100 different ones. Yeah, that is way easier. So speaking of, of different targets, um, when you are out there and you're setting targets, like what you're, you're driving back from um, Florida now from having been down in Amelia and setting their course, what is the general mix that you're trying to accomplish? Or does it just depend on, you know, is this a fun shoot or is this nationals, you know? That all plays plays in the hand. Um, First of all, we're in the entertainment business. Okay? Yep. We're supposed to entertain people. They're supposed to have fun. Now, at a local shoot, small monthly shoot at most clubs, you don't need to make those targets hard. I can put them inside 30 yards and make them technical a little bit and make you shoot the, the bird that you don't want to shoot first and make the second bird harder because you got to shoot it second. And they get out and they're like, I shouldn't miss that. So they're not, they're not upset at the target setter. They're not at, set at that, at that club. They're upset with themselves because they feel as though they should have broke those targets. Nice. Okay. So now if you go to the next station and I got two 65-yard tattoos, they go in there and go... <laughs> How the, how the hell am I going to break that? They've already, they've already are not having fun because they, 
they know that's a ridiculous target. They probably can't even hit it. So, so that you don't do that. We're trying to build customers. We're not trying to throw them away. We're not trying to make people not want to shoot. The only, the only problem with this is when you get to the regionals, the U.S. Open, state shoots, nationals, world shoots, you got such talented shooters anymore that you got to step it up for them. You got to step it up and the lower class shooters and the shooters that aren't as good, they get hurt during that shoot. They, they get beat up a lot of times. Yeah, they kind of get gotta, left behind. You got to kind of find a balance where I'll give them one and then I'll take one away from them, but the big guy will get it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I'll give them a couple, I'll give them maybe four stations, five stations where they should break them all. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have a problem breaking any of the targets there. So you, you help them build a score. I got to help them people build score, but I also got to steal a bird from the big guy. Now, another way to steal a bird from the big guy is make the course pretty easy. Oh, and let yes. them guys go out And let them guys go out and shoot together and know that I can't miss that because Anthony, Anthony didn't miss that. I can't miss one of these little targets. Yep. Now they get... Now they end up where the little guy ends up with the 60 yard bat too in their mind. You know, <laughs> now they're shooting defense. They're trying to shoot defensively not to miss. Yeah. Okay. And that's how you beat the big guys. It's not them big targets to beat the big guy. It's that one that you sneak in there. That's, that's just, just so easy or just flopping or just. Yeah. I was doing say that little took for 20 yep. yard flopping, it, flopping in at your bird. Yeah. And, you know, Zach at the uh, Jack Link this year, he come to me, I set the red course there, which is easier than Doug's. He goes, I lost on your course. I missed four of those targets down here on this end, those easy targets. So that tells you right there what you have to do to get them. Yeah. I know most of the shooters. I know most of the big shooters. I know what targets they have problems with. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Personal, personal people. You know, I know Anthony has a problem with such a target. I know Zach has a problem with a different target. Diane has a target that uh -huh. is an issue. They all have a target. They all have one little weakness. So if you put one, you put one of them on five different stations for those people, you might steal a bird from them that day. <laughs> or they might, they might have just practiced their ass off on that target. Now they got that one figured out. Right. So now you got to figure out what their other target is. Oh, there's always something. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. I think it's funny, Joe. I always joke with my students, um, you know, and I, I remind them all the time when you're out here and you're shooting this course, you're not in competition with each other. You're not in competition with your buddies. Is it nice to beat them? Sure. But the real person you're in competition with is the guy that set these targets. You're trying to figure out. And, and yeah, and yourself, and you're trying to figure out what they've done and what you have to do to be successful with this particular target. And, you know, sometimes we'll come across a, you know, a little bit of an ugly target. And I, I kind of point and I say, you know, remember that guy that you're in the competition with, there's a special place in hell for trap setters. <laughs> and it's oh, just, <laughs> but now when you're, you're thinking about that, when you're setting these targets, 
Um, do you find that most of these big guys are having more difficulty with like crossers at distance or with, um, no, nope. <laughs> they okay. just know to put a big gap on. They, they just know yeah. to put a big gap on. It's, it's nothing to them. It's the targets that are in transition a lot of times. And the way to beat them is you have that big fast bird and and then put something that that they gotta really be have good mechanics and soft to go to the second target because otherwise shoot in front of them. Gotcha. So, so just you, just you throwing start. that variation in there is enough to to trip them up if they're not really paying attention to what each bird is doing. Right. When I change speeds on those two targets and angles, it that's the key to getting them. Awesome. And that's, that's, that's all it takes. Well, what are, what are some of your favorite style of targets to set? I mean, do you have an affinity for, you know, quartering birds, crossing birds, you know, is there a particular Shondell or something out there that you just love to set? Um, and something that you, I wasn't can, real you can really manipulate. Yeah. Well, the 70 millimeter is a great target. In the beginning, we were all skeptical because people have a hard time seeing it. But if you know how to throw it so they can see it, uh -huh. you can you can have them miss that target, misread that thing so much because it's so small. Judging the distance on it is what gets gives them trouble. Yeah, and and the rabu targets. I oh, can throw that rabu. I can throw that target so it's friendly, and I can throw it where. It's just a bitch. <laughs> it all depends on. It all depends on the angle I put it on, uh -huh. and the speed, and what I do with it. Now tell everybody but, about a rabu. Explain explain what a rabu thrower is. Rabu thrower is basically a regular standard trap that we put rabbit targets on. You change the arm a little bit, and you throw a rabbit off of it. That's been around forever. Been around for a long time. Probably 20 years ago, I did it on a Batu machine, and I switched the machine over, made it do that, and I threw it. I threw it at one of my shoots. And I threw it for practice for a while, uh -huh. and they did nothing. They did nothing but bitch and cry about it, <laughs> and they hated it. So I did away with it. I ended up going back and making it the regular way. And they were. We did them on handsets years ago too. You could do it. You could uh -huh. throw that rabbit off. It's just, it's a heavy target, depending on- It takes on a how lot I to break it. it, yeah. It takes more to break it, but it also, you you need to learn how to read it. It's, it's so heavy, I can have it set on an angle that you think it's climbing, but it's not, it's, it's pushing. Mm -hmm. It's pushing and falling, but because the bird's angled up, the shooter believes it's still climbing and it'll shoot over top of it all the time. <laughs> now it, you mentioned something interesting a second ago that guys were were bitching and moaning um so sporting clay shooters they don't ever complain about targets do they <laughs> never <laughs> you know there's there's some some people have set some real bad targets i have set bad targets in the past have you as you as you learn over i mean 
it was new to all of us, you know. I've set some targets that were, I didn't think they were bad, but they were just too hard. You know what I'm saying? I got you. They were, they were bad for that particular shoot. Right. Now, you go back 20 years ago, if you threw a target over 30 yards across her, they would hang you. You can't throw a target that far with a shotgun and break it. Nowadays, they're breaking them at 65, 65 yards. Yeah. Same targets. So we've evolved and gotten better and better and better and better. And, and sometimes we get to the point where we're starting to push the limit of the shotgun and the shell, not the, not the shooter. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got to that point. So we don't need those 70-yard targets to beat people. Everybody's going to miss that. Right. It's, it's the inside, inside targets. It's the technical things that we do with them that make you misread what it's really doing. I use terrain a lot of times. I, I could have a hill, small, slight hill that's going up or going down. And I could throw that target parallel with that. And they'll swear that target's going level across. And it's not. Just things like that, using little dips, little holes. It, you just got to use the terrain, whatever terrain you got, and, you know, create something. That's where that landscaping background comes in super handy. Yeah, it does. That's awesome. You know, I, I can see the lay of the land really can mess with them. And then you go to a place that has awesome terrain, you got to be real careful set targets because you'll eat everybody up. Oh, really? Oh, when you start getting people shooting targets 30 feet below their feet and stuff like that they're not used they don't see that all the time they hardly ever shoot stuff like that your angles are different or, yeah. or your gun placement is different and so you got to be careful when you set there or you'll you can destroy them yeah i've i've noticed that with most shooters nobody ever wants to get their gun down or their gun up. They always want that target to be between waist, you know, ab above, like, I guess you'd say like from chest high up, maybe another eight to 10 feet. That's their comfort zone to swing that gun. Nobody ever wants yeah. to get the gun down or to get the gun way up high. I can't tell you how many times I've, I stop a student, um, they go to set up. I'm like, all right, go to your break point, come back to your hold point. And I'm like, okay, do me a favor. I'm going to throw this bird. Do not move your gun. I throw the bird. They right. don't move their gun. And they're like, holy crap. I'm like 10 feet too low. And I'm like, yeah, I keep telling you to get up to the flight path. And well, it's just amazing. Yeah. And if, and if they don't, you know, when you teach people, you should be teaching them. If there's, if there's anything to use for the line that you can yeah. see, Use that for your advantage. It, it goes past these two brown leaves on that tree. Yeah, that's the line of the bird. Yeah. So use that. Use that for a reference of where you your hold point should be, likewise with your barrel. Yep. And that's then there's that's only something... then there's only one move. It's a forward move. Yeah. There's not it's... a correction correction to get to the line, and then while you're correcting it, they they end up seeing the barrel. Then they got to find the bird again. And then they sweep the barrel over to shoot the bird. Yeah. And I, I tell them all the time, you know, I, I have yet to have a tree walk off the course. Um, you know, birds, planes, and clouds move constantly, but 
that tree right. branch that you've marked off two yellow leaves that the bird cuts right through, it's probably yep. not going anywhere as long as you don't shoot the branch. <laughs> well, well, another thing is, let's say you're in a field and they're throwing a big high bird across that field. There's no reference point up there, but your whole point still critical. Yep. If you look out beyond, you can see something somewhere in the distance that represents that whole point. So you know, okay, I see that that tower on that building over there. If I, that's where my whole point is. So set your gun there, raise it up about to where the line is, and then you got your right spot for starting every time. Yeah, there's always something. You can always use something to, to yeah. be able to reference that flight path because it's so critical. But, well, tell the listeners two great tips since we're kind of into some tips and tricks. What are two great tips that you usually like to use for better understanding, better target reading and or muzzle management? Uh, muzzle management, most people are too heavy right-handed. Okay. And they teeter the gun. They'll teeter the gun. They want to mount that gun. They bring that their back hand up first, and then they, the gun barrel dips down. They need to use both hands. The, your, your stock hand, where your trigger hand, is basically just meant to pull the gun in and pull the trigger. Yeah. Your forward hand on the fore end is the one that should be moving with the bird. If you use your, your forehand hand, whether left or right-handed, and keep that hand with the bird, you're, and you don't have to look at that or anything. You just look at the target. It's just like pointing at a car going down the road. Your hand knows where you're looking. So if you got that forehand in your hand and you're looking at the bird and, and act like you're pointing, your hand will go right with the bird every time. That's then, that's excellent. The, gun, the hand, your back hand just pulls it in tight, pulls the trigger. That is excellent. And then what about a good but, tip for, for target reading? Okay, a good tip for target reading. One way to tell if a target needs lead most of the time is when you're standing in the cage. If that target crosses your body, that target requires lead. Okay. So you take a quartering target to get there to not throw a zone, take quartering target and barely, you know, it goes out on your left and it just gets to your right shoulder, let's say. That bird uh -huh. doesn't require lead. But if that bird is over further to the left and when it comes out, in order to shoot it, it crosses your body with speed and some distance, that, sh that should register to you that you need to put lead on that bird. Yeah. I, I like when, you know, I have a student in the box as you know, follow it with your finger. You, you can, you know, the finger that you're going to have out on your foreign, cause that's the hand that's going to be in front of you anyway. And as you follow that bird, um, you call bang where you want to set up your break point. You're going to notice real quick in a hurry. Well, when you called bang, was that bird five, six, seven feet further out to the right or to the left, whichever way it was headed, or was it kind of hanging out right in front of your your finger you know it's it's easy to see if that bird is is gonna need lead or if it can just shoot right at it and then you can just yeah. set up set up your your plan your action plan from there whether you're dealing with a quartering bird or a crossing bird 
Well, matching the speed of the target is one of the biggest things you need to do first. Yeah. If you match the speed of the target, when you're almost ready to shoot, you move a half a mile an hour faster in target. By looking at the target, target breaks. You know, I'm glad you said a half mile because I, so many people, you see them, you get, they get in the box and they're insistent that, you know, let's say the target's going 30 miles an hour. You're looking at them like, well, why are you going 90? Yeah. <laughs> and going like, away bird, they panic. They panic on a going away bird doing 90 yeah. feet per second. 1,200 foot per second shell. Yeah. Yeah. It'll catch it. No problem. <laughs> yeah. What was it? The um, U.S. Open or um, Nationals? Somebody had a sign out that said you're shooting um, 818 miles an hour. It was on that. It was a little sign that said, you know, if you're shooting 12 gauge ounce and an eighth, um, 1,200 feet per second, you're shooting 818 miles an hour. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't see it. It was somebody out there had a sign. I just thought that was hilarious. So, well, Joe, we're, we're going to let you drive on, keep heading North, bud. Um, where can people find, find you on social media? Are you out there? Is the course out there? Um, we'll definitely make sure that we put into the podcast link, um, a link to your website so they can find you and um, come enjoy your That's fantastic the best. course. That's the best way. Just go to my website. All right. And what is that website address for everybody? It's cedarcreeksportingclays.com. Easy enough. Cedarcreeksportingclays.com. Is it on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, it's on there. I don't, I don't bother with that stuff much. <laughs> I was going to say, our generation, we, we're, I'm only in it because I have a 20 year old assistant who drags me through it. So. <laughs> You know, I, I but, particularly don't care for it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Not, All not, right. not quite, it's not meant for conservatives, really. No, it's not. <laughs> well, um, Joe, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, we'll have to have you back on. I feel like we could probably have like a six part series just talking about all the different targets out there and how you can set them. Um, and I know that everybody would be on the edge of their seats trying to glean some kind of tip or trick or information to, to help them with their target reading skills. Um, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, definitely if you're up in the New Jersey area, Millville, New Jersey, check out Cedar Creek Sporting Clays. And I wanna thank you for having me on Kate. It was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Winged Wisdom. If you would like to send in audio messages or questions for future episodes, please follow the message button on our homepage or the link in the featured description. I would like to thank Joe School for joining us today and chatting with us about exactly what it takes to set tournament targets and about his experiences as a certified instructor. Please follow Winged Wisdom each week for shooting tips and tricks and to see what's flying.